Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to Season 3, Turn Up The Talk. If you're interested in our podcasts, please like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on socials at Turn Up The Talk. Just a reminder, this is a mental health podcast, so some content discussed may be triggering for some. If you're not feeling up to it, hit pause, come back another day, we're not going anywhere. If it is an emergency, please don't hesitate to contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. That is a 24-hour service. Thank you and enjoy. Turn up the talk podcast. Tackling mental health together. Steve Willis, also known as the Commando. Welcome to Turn Up the Talk, mate. How are you going? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How are you, boys? Yeah, you're not too bad. Not too bad. Holding down Ford, all right. Um, not Lockie's in the Shire. So, how is it over there, Drewy? Oh, it's unreal, mate. Doesn't come over the bridge. So, um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's obviously just like it's it's more relaxed, I think, because you know. We're not near the city or anything, but yeah, I, it's the same as all the city at the moment. You can't really do much, but yeah. enjoying the beach when you can. And the beaches have been packed. I've been down to Cronulla the last few weekends, so I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. But well, you got worse things to worry about than the virus over the bridge, mate. <laughs> Steve, um, before we get into it, obviously we know who you are, and a lot of people do. You're quite a, a public figure. But for those who aren't fully aware of your story and your upbringing and everything like that, can you give us a bit of a rundown? Sure. Yeah, um, I guess I grew up in Queensland. I'm the eldest of uh, four boys, so myself and three brothers. Um, you know, did, did the school thing, high school thing. You know, I was quite active in school. I found uh, the younger years quite challenging with in a number of different ways. And, um, you know, in my... In my early teens, I, uh, I really got into exercise. I used to do a lot of running and I'd, I'd just do stuff on my own. I think it was a, a, a means or a way of dealing with just what the environment presented. Um, you know, I finished school and then I joined the military and that's when I found myself in New South Wales and went through the School of Infantry and then... Um, Got posted to a unit um, at Holsworthy, which uh, for anyone who has anything to do or likes the military in any way is now known as the Second Commando Regiment. And uh, did the better part of 10 years there. And then I left in 2004. And because I'd been, you know, playing around with fitness and really, you know, had a passion and a love for it, in leaving the military, I was like, well, what am I going to do? Well, it was, it was a bit of a natural fit, yeah. And I... Uh, I got into that, did all the qualifications, started working in a gym, and then I was fortunate to uh, have an opportunity presented, which was, you know, a role on The Biggest Loser, and um, the rest is history. But, you know, for then the next decade, um, there was a whole lot going on at that time, actually, you know, with kids, CrossFit, you know, running a, running a, a CrossFit uh, affiliate, competing in CrossFit, and then The Biggest Loser as well. Having to make some um, some decisions, but we can probably talk about that a little later. That I, if I look back from now, you know, I wish I'd maybe uh, done some things differently. But hey, aren't we all in that boat? And then um, from there, you know, fast forwarding, you know, the profile type of stuff kind of built to this 
with this pinnacle and then off the back of that, it's kind of just petered out somewhat. But you know, with that profile, it's it's been putting that to best use and um, using it in a way that I'm comfortable, first and foremost, and, you know, the way uh, in, in, in a sense of, being of service and, you know, doing things for others um, to the best of uh, my ability. And it puts me where I am now, you know, another 15 years down the track. So, uh, yeah, it's been a roller coaster of a life, um, you know, from this normal knockabout guy to, you know, having some, uh, some what the hell is all of this profile kind of come my way. But um, the alchemist on the other side of it, I'm, I'm still that same bloke, but just with a lot more experience and, uh, and wisdom. So you've had quite the uh, colourful life, you could say. And you just mentioned that, you know, you felt a similarity uh, doing better part of 10 years in the military, coming out and choosing the career you're in now had a lot of similarities, but I'm sure on the other end of that, there were also a lot of differences and a lot of lifestyle changes coming out of the military. How did you cope with that transition? I mean, from the outside looking in, it looks like you did amazing, but... From speaking from experience, we, we don't have that experience of what the military yeah. would be like. And it's not saying we can speak on. So can you speak on how different it is from a normal life to a military life and how you transitioned out of that? The military life, you know, and I joined when I was 18. Um, you know, they, they, they turn you inside out pretty quick. They take it back to zero and they take this, this civilian and in a heartbeat, you know, the moment that bus rocks up and um, they're, they're, they're your kind of under their tutelage, their, under their wing, whatever it is you want to call it, their, uh, their, their job is to turn you into a soldier. And you know, not just in, the, in, in who you are as a being, but in the structures and the routines and the framework that's required of a soldier. And that's just the foundation. And then from there, it's all that concurrent and ongoing training. And the process throughout that is trainability. You know, are, are you aware enough and are you present enough to be able to take on and assimilate the information and be able to then almost regurgitate that information back and not just in words, but in your actions? You need to be able to display in your actions that you understand what it is that they're teaching you, put it into action, like tick the box, you know, and then it's just that process. And along with that is a lot of responsibility, a lot of discipline um, and at the start, it can be quite challenging because it's foreign. It's like, what the hell is all of this? But then over time, it just becomes your bread and butter. It's what you do. And, and when you're doing it and you're immersed in it for so long, um, anything different is, is abnormal. So in transitioning out of the military and, and like looking outwards into society, I actually felt I... Um, was a bit short-changed because I felt I didn't have a degree and I didn't have the education and the like that a lot of people, even my peers who didn't go to the military had or if they'd gone on to be officers as such because they, their education is, is greater than just the, the enlistee. But I soon learned um, over time that it's a process of letting go. Really, you've got to let go of, of the things that can hold you back, this idea of who you once were. You're, that right now, I'm not that person. You know, there may be um, a residue or a hangover and something that you can talk about and you've learnt from, but you're not that person now. And what? who is it? What am I? 
And what is it that I need to do in the now that's going to help me with what presents itself? And these are all, I guess, the learnings that I was like, holy hell, at that point in time, um, what am I dealing with? In the back of my mind, I always had this idea that if I failed at anything that I tried my hand at, oh, I can just, I got this, this um, bail safe back here. It's called get back in the army. And um, a, lot of, a lot of my mates did that. Um, they struggled uh, in, in, you know, a, a number of different ways. And a lot of that was just they missed the routine. They miss the military life as such. It's not, not so much they, they enjoyed all of it, but they, they missed that comfort zone. And um, they get back in, then they get sick of it again, and then they get back out. I know guys have been in and out three or four times. Um, for me, I'm kind of once I've drawn the line, and I and it's like that's it. I I I do my best to be committed and see it through. And and from transitioning out to becoming a trainer, you know, doing one-on-one PT, running group sessions, running boot camps, you know, all that stuff that anyone that's in fitness kind of understands. Um, I, I just I. I I just threw myself at it, you know, and, and I guess there was a passion and, and a love for it as well. And that's my, that relationship with exercise and how that helped me in my younger years. And I was like, well, then I can use this to help others. But at that same time, in a well, very short period of time, Biggest Loser presented itself, you know, through um, an opportunity that came through some mates who I'd served with. And I jumped at that opportunity, not knowing what, uh, what it really entailed. But uh, by God, it all, my, my world, my life turned upside down in, in within a year and a half. It was this quiet guy that, you know, you, you, you had your, your small clique, your, your group of, of mates, you're in a unit, you know, everything was kind of, you know, behind the scenes. You never really spoke about anything. You just, you had a mission, you had a role and you did it um, to being a trainer in a gym and then at the same time, you know, being this trainer that was a part of a television show that um, was going to go out to, to the nation. And then, you know, before you know it, your name becomes a little more known, your face becomes a little more familiar and you're dealing with the, the repercussions of, of that and the whole media side of things. Talk to us about that process. Talk to us about the, the biggest loser. You just, I mean, alluded to the effects, but, you know, what did that look like day to day and how do you think that affected your mental health? Yeah, I, I struggled. I really struggled at the start, A, with the profile and uh, it was like, why me? It could have been anybody else. But I guess, you know, and over time, um, becoming okay with being the commando, commando Steve, you know, however you want to coin it, um, and, and what that looked like, I always felt I had to really turn it on I had to almost step out of who I am and be this guy, almost like the Stig, you know, because at the start, the commander was this dude with sunglasses that just had his arms crossed all the time, you know, pointed a finger and, you know, barked orders. There are no excuses all the time. And, uh, and, 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 and anything else that was captured on camera, they can just edit, get rid of, and glue all this stuff together that just makes me look like this hard ass, yeah? And that's what the rest of Australia... Um, thought I was, you know, they wake up and think that I eat concrete for breakfast and, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and bloody yell, you know, work harder and no excuses at everyone all the time. But the, 
<laughs> to, to get anyone to a place where they commit to doing hard work and to do that consistently, you've got to, you, you've got to become friends with them. You've got to build a rapport. You need to have a relationship. And if that's based in fear, mate, when you turn your back and walk away, they're just going to give you the middle finger and go, stick it, mate. I ain't doing jack. You've got to help them. You've got to convince them to change their mindset and the way in which they perceive life. And for me at the start of Biggest Loop, that was a struggle because I came from this place where, you know, I, I'd, I'd taken on all these traits and these, these characteristics and these ways of being. You know, we had things they used to say to us like, just because you're wearing that beret doesn't mean that um, you'll be wearing it tomorrow. Every day is a daily renewable contract. You know, that's, and, and most of the time, when, you, when you're in the role and you're doing what you do, like it's, it's, it's like any other job. But, you know, when you needed a swift kick in the ass um, because you're out of line, like they remind you of that stuff. And, um, and they had that, like, not, unlike a lot of other jobs, like something that might seem so insignificant could, could create a safety breach. It could put your life in danger or the lives of others. Mate, they don't want you around. That's just too risky. And... Um, you kind of take that mentality into a civilian life. So you draw this line. And that's what I used to do with my contestants at the start. I was always outdoors. I'd draw this line in the sand and I'd say, you're either in or you're out, you know, and I'd give them that whole spiel and uh, they're all looking at me with these big eyes. And I was I'd, in the back, you know, I've got this serious face on, but behind, it's like you boys right now. This is <laughs> And they wouldn't put that on camera. Sometimes I would. Sometimes I just... Like you can't help but laugh at yourself because you know you're just talking nonsense. You're turning it on to the camera, yeah. And uh, and uh, but over time, you kind of you, you you hone you hone your skills and you kind of your character and and they recognised that there was something in it, you know, with the role that I played, and they wanted to explore that more over the years. And they brought me on in a more full time um, capacity, which you know, saw me taking the sunglasses off, saw me smiling more, saw me interacting more in a, in a personal sense, which really shows the nature of life and how you get someone from here to here. And, and that's just through the, I guess, the duration of the show. But what about, you know, when the show's in the rear vision mirror and the looking back, like what now? And I was always thinking that. And because that's, that's the endurance race, yeah? That's, that's the race of life. You alluded to how, you know, getting people to complete goals, you need to be friends with them. And mental health battles are tough, but mm. they do share some resemblance with a weight loss battle because at the end of the day, it's you versus yourself. Mm. Apart from being friends with people, what are some tips to get people taking ownership or get people motivated to change the state they're in? And what have you found works well? Becoming a, becoming a mate, becoming a friend with yourself. Because a lot of people, and, and, and same with myself when I was younger, you know, even to this day, you know, with, with different periods uh, of my life and in time, and if you're open and honest and accepting of, of, um, of, of yourself, you know, we all have our ups and downs and it's, you know, what's going on in those, those downs. And a lot of the time we're very critical there's a lot of there's self-loathing, you know, there's, there's anger and resentment towards ourselves for the things that we maybe did or didn't do. You know, what do all those things look like? And and if you can if you can just reframe that, like the perspective on it, 
and be a little more encouraging, a little more gentle, you know, kinder, calmer um, to yourself, you're, um, you're going to be in a better place. And, but that takes time. That's, that's, that's hard work. It's easy to talk about. Please come inside. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, guys, just get my frame on the back. Um, you get you get that's homeschooling, mate. You know, COVID lockdown. <laughs> You're right, mate. <laughs> of course. Yeah, he always wants to know what's going on. But um, it's it, it's it's one thing. It's easy to a degree to talk about, and when you've been through things, and you've reconciled, and you've come to terms with things, and you're not fearful and scared of yourself, you're, you're more willing to be vulnerable and to open up. Whereas a lot of people are incapable of being vulnerable. I, I, I use like the, the analogy of um, in the, the military body armor, like, and you know, a lot of people are getting around with their body armor. Well, and you know, it's on and it's secure. You know, what does it take to help unbuckle and remove that body armor so that you can work on, you know, implementing change. And, and, and again, it's that, it's that framework, it's those perspectives, it's that inner dialogue. Um, but that also requires action. You know, what are some of the, the action pieces you need to put in place to help confirm, to, to reaffirm um, those changes? But the, I know one thing that a lot of people try to do is they, they commit to themselves and they're all like, gung-ho and they try and turn it all uh, they, they turn their lives upside down they try and change everything in one foul swoop and you know within a couple of days mate they're exhausted they can't even get out of bed yeah and um it's it's the small changes i'll use that another analogy like a compass yeah everyone can set a, a bearing on a compass and go for a walk you know you, you set a bearing of north you walk north for 10 k's then we come back to that starting point and change that bearing by uh, one degree. Now walk that walk that new bearing for 10 k's. You're going to land in a completely different place. That's all it takes. One little change can be that that catalyst. You know we are we as humans are potential energy. You know if you not that I remember too much from school, but some of this stuff and potential energy. What's you know using that energy, kinetic energy. And, it's, and, and how do you make energy grow? You've got to have a little bit of energy and then over time it magnifies, yeah? And that's all those small things. It's doing the little thing. It's domino effect. You know, that one change. Get your ass out of bed before you think. That could be one step. How many people wake up and they start telling themselves all these stories or they hit snooze or whatever it is? You know, I read this great book um, by Shunru, on Shunru Suzuki. He was a Zen Buddhist master called The Crooked Cucumber. And when he was 12 and in a monastery, they knew he was 12, but he had to get out of bed at 4 a.m. to go and meditate. And they used to leave him and he'd sleep in and he'd be late and everything. They knew with time he'd figure out a way to get himself there at 4 a.m. And that's what he said. What I learned was I needed to put my feet on the floor and get out of bed before I had my first thought. I just had to do it. And that's back to the military. And we used to have a wake-up time. We used to have to go out into the hallway with a sh our bottom sheet over our shoulder, everybody in that platoon. And then we had, I can't remember, five minutes or something. 
that on go to be back in there, have our beds made. They come in with rulers and measure the counterpane and the fold it over. They could drop a coin on the on the on the counterpane. It would have to bounce. That's how tight things had to be. And there was no there was no fitted sheets. It was hospital folds. You know, responsibility, accountability. Now that's another step. Get out of bed before the first thought. Before you do anything else, make your bed. Yeah, it's if these things create responsibility, they create accountability. And then with the process of time, you find you tick in more boxes and you feel better about yourself. Yeah. And again, these are my perspectives. They're some of my approaches and the way in which I live my life. It's not to say I'll work for everybody, but you know, action is 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 the one thing that unfortunately a lot of people don't implement. They think about it, it's wishful thinking, but then it it's it's I'll do that tomorrow. Speaking of the army, mate, and the military, and it seems like there's not a lot of room for error. <laughs> would that would that be fair to say? In, in the army, definitely. Well, definitely. It's um, you know, at the start, the 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 process they afford it. You know, it's and and there might be some you know finger pointing and a bit of yelling and screaming and a swift kick in the backside, but um, over time. And depending on the roles that you're fulfilling, yeah, some of some of those roles, there's there's absolutely no room for error. So how was that? There's a bit of a double barrel question here. First, tell us about your mental health journey and your experiences with mental health and or mental illness. And how hard was it to speak so openly? I know you've you've done a few interviews now and I've read about it and you said, you know, it's just the Australian way, she'll be right, especially for a bloke, you know, and especially being in the in the military, she'll be right. And you also mentioned in the army, you either grow thick skin or you don't. And it's kind of one way or the other. So how was it to finally speak out and share your story? Were you, were you second guessing yourself? And what exactly was that story? Well, it, for most they're showing you know, trauma. It's a lot of, a lot of stuff where people starts in our, in our infancy in our, in our early childhood. And um, you know, it's environmental. It's the way in which we are shown to deal with things. Um, from, from, I guess, the, the, the parents or the guardians and the like. And it's, it's the way in which we learn um, to deal with things in our own way as children. And we're blank canvases. So we kind of lean on, on ways of coping and dealing that may, may suit us and, and help us get through when we're young. But as adults, they're not helping in any way, shape or form. And uh, it's recognizing that it's I'm an adult now and I actually I need to be responsible. I can't keep using my childhood as a scapegoat or uh, you know, as my, for myself as a scapegoat. And when you can come to terms with that, that reconciliation, that healing process um, can begin. And it's, it's the awareness of, of all of that. And if I reflect back, you know, for me, a lot of that came on strong when I was going into my teens, I felt like I was an outsider, that I never fit in. Um, I, or I, I, I would isolate myself. I'd spend a lot of time on my own. I would listen to heavy metal music, Metallica, Black Album, you know, and, and, and you would take on those words, those ways of, of thinking. I thought I had to be really strong. I thought I had to present myself in a certain way. You have this, this mental picture. And then you go about formulating that in life and what that looks like. And then I go into the military. It confirms that. It asks more of you 
in that way. There's no love. There's no compassion. There's no empathy. They don't give a, they, they don't give a damn because you can't play a contact sport or shoot a weapon at someone else or be in close, you know, combat and, 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 and need, and need those emotions, draw on those emotions. And, and that's what happens. We, we put to sleep, we, we um, suppress in, in a certain way many aspects of our being and we cultivate others, aggression, anger, and, and the like. And, and men, we so easily do it. It's, it's there for us. It's on tap. If we're scared, you know, we roar. Yeah, if we're fearful, we roar. We try to present ourselves like a puffer fish. Yeah, we, uh, um, and we're just bluffing. We're bluffing everyone. We're, we think we're bluffing everyone else. Really, we're just bluffing ourselves because most people can see through the facade. But with time, you recognize that as you get older and you get over yourself and your, and your ego and this, this overinflated um, way of being. And you go, man, I'm chewing up a lot of energy, a lot of time and effort trying to be something that I'm not. And that really started to um, change for me when I was, I'd competed in the CrossFit Games. I was 33. And after that, mate, I was, I was finished. I was so spent, even the thought of training with intensity made me feel sick. And, um, and I realized if I, if I tried to go about life, you know, training and, and constantly putting on this facade, using these very powerful, strong emotions, you know, like, like anger and aggression and that pers perspective of myself, I was going to come undone. I was coming undone um, and kind of got to that point. And I was like, well, there's got to be a different way of doing things. And um, I, I went to work doing that. And I guess that in doing that work, and learning to know yourself better, like the same being a friend to yourself, having a, a better relationship with yourself, over time you realise that this pain, suffering and fear that you held on to um, so dearly to a degree, you almost wear like a badge of honour and you think my pain, suffering and fear is worse um, than yours, you know, that kind of finger-pointing mentality, you recognise that we're all experiencing those things. No one gets through this life or... Uh, uh, as the person they are, without any pain, without any suffering, and without any fear. And that should be the common ground that we all meet at that point that we meet at. And what are the things that help us to then overcome our pain, our suffering, and our fear? And the more I got to know myself, the more willing and open I was to talking about it. And, it, and, and the profile being there, I was like, well, you know, mental health issues, you know, well-being, illness, you know, people just struggling, like you know, doing the work we did on The Biggest Loser. No one gets to the size that they are without there being mental health issues. You know, it's just, it's the, it's the drug of choice. What the drug that they used or chose was, was food and the like and, and, you know, condensed sugar intake or, or concentrated sugar intake and to, to cope and deal. We all have means of coping and dealing with things, but... Do they benefit us or do they, do they undo us? So how do you now deal with a situation that previously, say, would really affect you? So say when you were younger and how would you now deal with it so it doesn't get to that point where it used to? 
critical awareness. So your, your ability to play the role of the observer and just observe yourself. It's feeling emotions coming on rather than being overwhelmed and then looking back and going, damn, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Um, and, and that's, that's getting it. That's just, that's just tuning into that frequency. And that's, that's practice. It's a daily practice like anything else. And in the past where hyperactivity, even now you guys interviewing me, you notice how I get, I start, you know, I get fidgety. I get like, I really start to come to life. At the start, I'm quite, you know, chilled. But, um, and that, that passion, that physicality starts to, to come out. And I've got to keep myself in check with that. Whereas in the past, you, I wasn't aware of it. And people always used to say to me, damn, Steve, you're an intense bloke. And you, you never, I never saw myself like that. And I reflect back and um, you, you see that in yourself. And it's like, how do you measure that? You know, mindfulness, learning to sit, cross my legs and breathe. You know, box breathing, meditate, mindfulness, awareness, whatever it is that you want to call it. Whereas in the past, that's a lot of it is why I exercise. It's not that I knew, you know, and I could articulate in words why I was doing it. I just knew that it was good for me. And they've shown that with research and neurology and, you know, neuroscience and all that type of stuff. Anger and aggression are very powerful emotions. And if they're not used, your body will store them and it will start, it'll be the loose string. It'll undo you. And, and it depletes your, your uh, your immunity, your immune system. So it's, it becomes suppressed and you're more open to, to sickness. And I used to get, a, I used to get colds and you run down all the time because you're in a state of fight or flight, the sympathetic response. There was a report done in 2017, I think, Steve, and it was in junction with an article that was done on you. And it said that, um, as many, as many soldiers that have died in Afghanistan have also taken their life when they've mm. come home. Coming out of that environment, of course, you also mentioned there that you knew people that have taken their lives. What needs to be done for people coming out? Is it more about giving them avenues, like you said, for pathways for career? Or is it teaching them about what they're going to experience when they leave whilst they're in the army so they're better equipped to deal with it? Like, what do you think? It starts before the army. It starts when we're kids. Getting to know ourselves better. And we, we live, humanity, especially the Western mind, the Western way of thinking, lives with a mindset of output. We're output focused and driven. We do, most of us do not do things without an expectation of something in return. Most of us can't just sit and be and just be. I'm talking be still. Like take an in-breath. Then don't breathe. Just let it be. Then let yourself breathe out. Life is the space in between those two breaths. You know, who, how many people can even focus on their breathing? A lot of us can maybe do it for 30 seconds or a minute. And then these thoughts fill our mind. We become all fidgety and agitated in our bodies. And that's... And that's, that's what happens. You know, we build on that from our younger years through our teens, the expectation of things and schooling and career and life and marriage and kids and, and blah, blah, blah. And then it gets to a place where there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a shift, a critical change, and then people just can't deal anymore. 
And, and if people can then ask and surround themselves with people who have some strategies and ways of dealing with things, or they can surround themselves intimately with those who are already doing it, they can take on those traits and those ways of being. But other than that, then people are leaning on things to deal, alcohol, drugs, you know, just, just whatever, food and, and the like. But um, it starts from when we're children, getting to know ourselves better, not being ashamed of ourselves, of feeling or feelings of feeling a certain way and um and throughout whatever it is that we're doing learn to cultivate and and almost have on tap um emotional responses to situations that help us to deal with those situations like i was saying before for guys when we're scared when there's fear what do we lean on most of us become aggressive. Most of us get angry. We raise our voice. We stomp our feet. We, we you know, like I'm just using like terms as such. And yeah, like, of course. But you're getting what I'm saying. Mm. Um, we go and we hit, we hit the drink. You know, we get a bit like hackles up and, oh, you know, people feel the energy. They know. And, um, but as you get a bit older and you look at the older blokes and you're like, they just, they just seem to shrug it off. It's like water off a duck's back because they rec- they realise, yeah, that it's a lot of that stuff ain't important and um, just being comfortable in your own skin. Now, I know that doesn't help when you ask the question about jobs and transitioning into other aspect, other areas of life or taking on a new role um, and the like. But um, in knowing yourself and how to calm yourself and be responsive rather than reactive, you give, you give yourself a much better chance and you put some space around things to, that you afford for yourself and also others because how others react or respond to things isn't your stuff. But we, we tend to project as well and we because of our way of thinking, we think they should be doing or not doing in a certain way. You know, I think back to Survivor. You know, I'm starving. I'm sitting there. It's hot during the day. I didn't take enough warm gear at night. I'm freaking freezing at night. And um, you know, we, lose, we lose a challenge. Someone's going home. And everyone's running around like a chicken with a head cut off, trying to deflect, trying to, um, you know, pin it on someone else, you know, make, you know, highlight someone else and get everyone to, like, draw that. They're, they're running, uh, they're running, what do they call it? They're um distractions they're, 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 they're deflecting away and you can so easily get caught up in that stuff and man i used to just say to myself i just had a bit of a like i'll just it, it'll be what it'll be and i'd get the machete and i'd go and collect firewood because i i knew after that elimination that night if i was still there i wanted to be warm and i needed to make sure because when you're not there the, if the fire is still not going or there's embers when you get back mate it's a cold night and um, yeah, I was just, I was used, maybe that was my way of dealing and coping, but I also didn't feel so compelled to project how I thought and my, my way of being onto others. Because when you do that, you become like a, like a lead vest and people don't want you around. If you're that voice of reason, you're calm and you're considerate and the like, people don't have a problem with you. You know, if they see, they see the benefit of you being around um, and, and, and how you present yourself and the like. And 
you know, if you're in like the leaky boat scenario and you can be that calm presence and provide a solution, mate, people are going to pull you under their wing all day, every day. It's a really interesting way you put it there in regards to you've got to deal with it from your childhood. And there's studies to show that, like you mentioned, there's studies to show that a lot of trauma is literally from that three to five years or zero to seven year age group. But for people coming from the military, it's PTSD. Just just get them to see someone. All of us, it's just a completely different shift of, oh, well, it's just from their experience in the army. It's, it's nothing else, which is the way you put it there is completely different. It, 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 it goes way back because before we really knew a lot about psychology and the selection process, especially for special forces, and, you know, they get this psych and you do these passive tests and these interviews, they, they know what they're looking for. They've got the questions. And what they're looking for are people who can disassociate they can remove emotion from action. Where does that come from? And what they used to do way back, World War I, even before that, when they had really gnarly tasks and jobs that needed to be fulfilled, they'd find those flippers who had troubled childhoods because they, they became resolute, they became strong, they knew how to deal with themselves. Maybe they... They, they, they couldn't fit in society. Yeah, they will do the job that needed to be done. You need them to go 100 miles and then another 100 miles. They're the ones that are going to do it. But ask them to fit into society? Probably not. Yeah. yeah. And, and, that's what we're, and that's what we're learning. Now, I'm going to oh, – I love this stuff. But um, I'm going to put pose something else. There's a book I read by Thich Nhat Hanh. He's a Zen, another Zen Buddhist master. Um, it's called Reconciliation, Healing the Inner Child. Now, we talk in very much the I. So in, 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 in I and, you know, my issues and my childhood and all of this and I went through this and this happened to me. Now, when we talk about suffering and what they're also showing is, is our lineage, is our heritage and the like. Now, our parents, our mother, our fathers, our grandparents on both sides, if there was a lot of suffering and, a, and um, a lot of struggle that they were incapable of healing or dealing with in healing, like a relay race, like goes on at the Olympics and they pass, that baton's passed on. So it's not just ours. So when we get to a place where we recognise and we can accept for ourselves, but also for, for what's happened, you know, in the past, we heal and we heal for the future. And, and we wear it so heavy, like it's just me, what's wrong with me? But what you're actually bearing is the burdens of, of, of your, your heritage. And you're at a place now where you're awake enough, you're, you're in tune enough, you're aware enough to see it and do something about it. Kudos to you. You're on the path to enlightenment. Yeah, I think all of that. A lot of people, I think what you're trying to say is a lot of people just want a quick fix. And there isn't. There isn't. And like you said before, healing yourself and healing parts of your life, it's never going to be an easy process, but it's also never going to be a quick one. And like you said, rewarding though. Yeah. And to be able to sit out, like I go out the front here of my house because it's west facing and I sit on the little grassed area at the front, you know, it's winter in the sun 
and I can just sit there with my legs crossed for half an hour, an hour. I might close my eyes for a little bit. I might open. I look at the wind blowing in the trees. I'll listen to the birds. And I, to be able to do that, that's taken me a lifetime. Because who can actually sit and be still and engaged with reality and nature and not, not be concerning themselves with anything else? Man, that's, that's heaven to me. But I can also, when I need to, you know, put the effort and the like in where, where I need to to the things that I'm responsible for. And I, I know maybe that's something I was born with. Maybe that's environmental. It was my stepfather and my upbringing. He showed me hard work, yeah? He expected from an early age... You know, for us to be able to pull our weight. And if we wanted something, damn, we had to work hard for it. I remember the paper runs and all those things I did. So to be able to kind of float in and out of all of that, mate, that's just, that's magic. That's, that puts a smile on my face. Yeah, that brings joy. Like I can feel it. It warms me. Like people might think I'm talking nonsense, but, um, and I used to think the same. I'd hear people say, I was like, what are you freaking talking about? Like to hear the word love, get stuffed. There's no such thing. But I know now, you know, the, and, and, and for me, what a lot of those things mean. And that's, that's the biggest thing. It, it's got to carry a certain weight and meaning for me. That's, that's all. And then through my actions, you know, my words as well, and just how I live my life, others see that and they go, damn, I want a bit of that. What does it take? Well, mate, it's a daily practice and it's hard work. And it's chipping away. And like I said, it's, it's little things. It's like death by a thousand cuts, yeah? Like it's all those little things just time and time again. You just need to remain aware and present. Mate, I envy that. I would, I, that's something I struggle with, just sitting in the moment and being present and not, as soon as I sit in my, and have my time, my mind's just going crazy. So that's something. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, no, uh, say again, sorry. But, we, but again, we're taught to resist things. Exactly like, right, yeah. Driving traffic, how, how uncomfortable is it driving in traffic? There's this push. There's this constant jostle. But that's how we live. We, we can be in our living room or on our own, and we're still in a constant jostle in our head. But you take that car analogy again, put yourself out on the country road, mate, you're cruising. Like, it's, road, it's freaking awesome. Like, the big open... Planes, the trees, you just windows down, life's Mickey Mouse. You can live like that. You don't have to have, you don't have to constantly be resisting, having something to push against. When you're aware of yourself, like creating nonsense to confirm a story you're already telling yourself, just smile at yourself and go, there you go again, sucker. You know, just let it go. And that's when anger starts to rise. Oh, I can feel my anger coming on, but I don't need you right now, buddy. It's okay. Just, just go back to sleep. I need, I need a little more love. I need to be a little more open to life. I need to, I need to hug my kid, not rouse on my kid. You know, you, you learn to be more capable of utilising the things, the emotions, the thought processes that better suit. I'm not saying best suit, but better suit, because you can always do better. So for people listening, and this might be a hard thing to answer because I know, like you just mentioned, to get and achieve those things is not an easy process. But can you simplify it down? So you mentioned a bit of meditation, a bit of breathing and stuff like that. Can you just simplify it to some steps where people can, if they're listening and go, I want to do that, where can they start? Like like starting your day 
with 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 some small wins is the best way. And a lot of that requires physical action. Yeah. And um, you know, making your bed. Sorry, make your bed. Go for a walk. Drink a glass of water. You know, do something. We all intuitively know that helps to promote well-being. And when you tick those boxes, then make a time in your day, and and whether it's outdoors, it's indoors, a quiet space, and just you know, set a timer on your watch, and and um, and just work on sitting and being, be as comfortable as you can, even if it's in a chair, you know, and it's, and just. But I'm again, I'm an nth degree guy. I read read a lot of stuff on the the Eastern philosophies and sitting in meditation and in in in, in lotus and everything like. Man, I want that. You know, and I would push myself to, to be able to do that. So a lot of yoga as such and stretching. And, and then with time, just as you were saying before, there's a lot of, there's a lot of chatter. There's, there's noise, but don't resist it. Just let it come. It's okay. And, and, and you will find, you'll catch yourself getting carried away by a thought. But when there's that awareness, don't resist it and push against it or have a cup of tea with it. Just observe it. And in that observation, connect your mind and body with your breathing. You know, and you hear a lot nowadays about that box breathing. That's probably one of the best ways of articulating um, a breathing pattern that helps to calm and just settle you. And four breath in, four breath in count, hold for four, out for four, you know, um, hold for four, in for four. Do that for four minutes. You know, and if you can't, Maybe you can only do it for two, but then build on it. When you can get to four and do that for four days consecutively, you know, or, or four weeks consecutively in four days, work on extending it out. Work on another breathing pattern. And when my, how I used to meditate, I would count to 10, like a typewriter and reset. I'd count to 10, I'd reset. So one breath in, two breath out. Three breath in to 10. And then I, I, I got to a point where I could sit there for an hour. On Survivor, again, I'm using Survivor, we had to hold this disc and bounce a ball. Yeah. I did it for, I think it was about an hour and five or an hour and 15 minutes. You know how I got through it? Counting from one to 10, bouncing the ball. One, two, three, four. I get to 10 and I go back to one. And, and, and I could do that because of the practice. And you start going delirious. You look at the ball, it's focused. And over time, the ball's like five bouncing. And because you're standing on a box. Oh, mate, they, they, they have amazing ways of messing with you. But, um, but again, it's all in the practice. And, and, and when difficulties and challenges arise, which they always do, you're only as good as your default. Or your defaults, what are they? So if you learn to sit and be calm and you can feel, because discomfort in your body will, will come, aches and pains in your knees and your hips and your shoulders and your back, but just breathe with it. Learn to, and you get to a point where you just can't tolerate anymore and you, 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 you come out of it. Just try and do things. The other thing is with minimal expectation of anything in return. That's hard. But... It's practice and it's, it's, it's well worth it. And um, read. If you want to know more about these ways of being, you've got to investigate.
it's 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 like a signpost, you know, pointing to Newcastle. It says Newcastle, but it's not Newcastle. It's just a sign pointing you there. But to get to Newcastle, you've got to investigate. You've got to you've got to take that path, that road, you know. And there's a number of different ways of getting there. Which way do you want to go? All right, we've got some fan questions to finish off, and I think you went through a few of them, but we'll ask just to make sure we get an answer for the for our listeners. Um, and like you said, I'm glad that you brought it up because I think that's what I can remember from watching The Biggest Loser was your involve your involvement over the years and how you were, who you were at the start, and then adapting to become friends because. And like you'd said, there were some funny experiences there with some contestants who just couldn't deal with the pressure. But it was really interesting to see that. So this one is from Will. And it was, what did you learn from The Biggest Loser? What's one takeaway for your life or for anything? For me or just in general? For you. Be kind, be considerate. Everyone has a story. Everyone's dealing with, well, everyone's dealing with something, but usually a whole host of things. And if you know yourself well enough, um, it's not to say that you, you, you get it right all the time, but then you can be in a better position to help others. Even, even, even just your ability to listen. You actually hear what they're saying. And, not, and, and a lot of the time, not even try and solve things. People feel it in the energy, not just in you know, hearing the things that you say. Yeah, be, kind, be kind and considerate. To everybody. I have one from Kate here, and it says some healthy fitness tips for lockdown that you can do from right. home. Healthy fitness tips. Get on the Commando Steve website and do an online session with me. Yeah, but besides that, um, there's again, there's lots, and, and it, it goes beyond just working out or exercising. You know, we've been talking about it this whole um, time is is ticking the box it's some of those small things that help you to feel like you're winning the day you know just keep that in mind what's going to help me win the day because it can be different for everybody for me i like doing a workout you know i run a business that that delivers workouts we're doing online workouts so i'm working out three to four times a day i'm not going balls to the wall every time but there's an accountability yeah i've got to show up I've got to warm them up. I go through the warm up. It makes me feel so much better in myself, even if that's all I do. And then I coach and I explain what we're doing. But then I usually do stuff with them to just show them. Yeah. Um, and it's not just me, you know, there's others. But um, for people, it's it's doing that, you know. Gosh, there's there's sodium, there's sodium media, social media coming out our ears. You know, get online, check out some workouts, or get on my Instagram and check out some workouts. You don't know. What something is, ask the question. And that's that's a lot of the time. People are unsure because there's so much information. They don't know where to start. And it's it's start with the small things. If you're not doing anything, go for a walk. If you're not eating well, what's one meal or one thing that you can do um, and that, that like in eating better that's going to encourage a, a better state of well-being? The more you practice that, you do that for a week or two, then you'll find that you'll want to be eating better for a second meal as well or in the snack that you have. And that exercise, that walk that you're doing, you want to up the intensity. You go for a bit longer or add another day. 
all start doing some squats and some push-ups. There's no right or wrong as such. It's what's going to help you win the day. Awesome, mate. Well, there were some great tips there for... And, sorry, uh, and accountability. Because people struggle doing things on their own. Be a part of something. Like I know for a lot of people that's really hard. If you're single, if you live in an apartment and the like, man, you feel like, the, you know, Alice in Wonderland, like it's all closing in on you. You know, you've got, you've got, to, you've got to make the effort. Most people are struggling themselves. They're not going to make the effort. I, I say, I almost go to tears sometimes watching my crew train on the TV, the effort that they put in. At the start, there was a lot of apprehension. People were unsure what working out online was going to be like. And, man, they're showing up, you know, day in, day out. <laughs> like it, 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 it strengthens your resolve and your accountability um, to that as well. And then when people don't show up or they haven't been, mate, we're messaging them. I don't give a damn what time of day it is, you know, um, like if I think of you and I haven't seen or heard from you, I'm messaging you. Because what that tells that person, shit, they've thought of me. They, they, they actually care. You know, it's not that I can think of everyone all the time, but if someone comes into mind, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm on the email, I'm on the phone, I'm uh, sending a text message or, you know, just encouraging them in some way because it can be that one smile, it can be that embrace, those open arms, you can be doing this podcast, whatever it is that um, that person needs to hear or they need to see and, mate, that can turn things around. Awesome, mate. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I think we covered a lot of things and I think it takes a lot of guts and takes a lot of will and the passion to talk about what you've spoken about. And, you know, you it's very clearly that you're very service-driven in everything you've done. And I think that's a huge commitment to the type of person that you are. And I know that people will greatly benefit from your workouts, from working with you and from listening to this podcast. So thank you very much for your time and all the best with everything. Thanks, boys. Greatly appreciate it. Turn up the talk podcast. Tackling mental health together.